The Hello Careers podcast explores a system developed to align business needs with education and training. It's proven to be invaluable for dozens of businesses and people looking to create a new life for themselves. We are firm believers that you must screen for attitude and train for aptitude. We're unpacking our insight to help you build partnerships and earn public support for an age-old way of learning a skill, apprenticeship. We'll address issues such as where there's a skills gap, is there an education and training gap? How do you respond to a tight labor market? What happens when the major employer pulls out of your community? If you're looking to create an apprenticeship program or curious about what to do next, this show could be just the thing you've been looking for. I'm your host, Mark Sylvester. Now, let's get started and talk with the team. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Um, in this episode of Hello Careers, uh, I'm joined by Michael and Luke and Amy. Uh, welcome to the show. Tell us um, how you've come to be here on the podcast. My name is Amy Cardell, and I'm Vice President of Workforce Relationships at CompTIA, the Global Trade Association for the Computer Industry. And I'm glad to be here in San Luis Obispo, my hometown, talking nice. to you about apprenticeships. And so you, um, so you're, I'm going to guess you're in D.C. a lot? Yeah, there's a lot that happens through the Department of Labor on apprenticeship. And also a lot of other nonprofits and trade associations are based are looking for change in this area of the workforce of the future. So it's a great place to be occasionally, but it's really nice to come back to the Central Coast. I like that workforce of the future. And we're talking, we've been talking about apprenticeship, but really you want to add the word modern apprenticeship because that's part of our job is educating uh, the people that are listening. But in this show specifically, what we want to talk about is the role of this, of education in this partnership and how you work with educators. So Michael, let's just go back a bit to when you were just starting the program and, and get our listener up to speed. And what, what is the role of the educator here in this apprenticeship program? Well, I, I came from an education background. I've um, project-based learning, computer science in high school. And so I really approach this idea of apprenticeship as um, a continuation of that type of an educational philosophy that purely theory and academics is not going to really produce the kind of learning that's necessary to be valuable in the workplace. And it's really that combination of just-in-time learning combined with real skills and a context in the workplace of how you're going to apply those skills, not just learning for learning's sake. And so apprenticeship really is those two things put together, just-in-time learning, a boot camp approach to instruction, short time and intensive, combined with the ability to practice those skills in the context that they need to be on the job learning. That's the magic when you have a part-time job that fits with your what you're studying, right? That's the magic, you know, and we all know that kids learn and adults learn really well with hands-on things. So if you can combine that one-two punch of theory and practice, you know, we want to see that happen. Have you found your conversations now, we're getting into our third year of this program, have you found the conversations with educators have changed? For some educators, they are, they're ready for it. They're, they're trying these things out and they welcome the role of business and the opportunity to really have that on-the-job experience and understand what is this what is this instruction going to look like when you're out there working with the team on that project. 
Um, most recently, we did what we call the portfolio workshop with a number of employers and some of our software developers. And it was really the businesses came with what was the project or challenge that they had to solve. And the students had to really scope out the entire project with some mentors within a very short amount of time to be able to perform on meeting specific milestones and solving this project. And it really allowed the students to showcase what their skill set was, but also stretch their learning. And it allowed the employers to really see some potential candidates of how would they, how would they work in their, in their companies? How would they behave on their teams? How quickly can they learn? You know, at the end of the day, an employer is the customer a lot of times for education, but I think education forgets that sometimes. You know, it's not one of their accreditation milestones placement. You know, universities don't care about that. They're care- they have a lot of things for accreditation, but job placement is not one of them. Um, same with community colleges. And so there's a disconnect there where they're, they're, they're chartered to meet the need of the local community, but that's not something they're measuring, right? And what measures gets measured, gets monitored, and gets improved. And I think, um, you know, a lot of other very elite schools are looking at this idea too. You know, beautiful four-year liberal degrees. Students um, graduate that aren't career ready because it's great to be a philosophy major. There's not a lot of jobs for philosophers, but they're fantastic at programming or software testing because those skills are logic and thinking are very clear to them. And um, so some elite schools nationally are looking at, okay, how can we do, instead of a study abroad semester, a tech semester where it gets some certifications and then have that experience embedded in an internship or in this case could be an apprenticeship, um, to make that graduate really ready to go out and work and, and make a meaningful contribution. And a lot of those graduates are very eager to go shape the economy and start their own company, but many of them want to go work for someone else first. And so I, I've seen a few colleges, Davidson College is, is doing this. I just heard about this really neat program they're doing on software that way because they see that need for their humanities students. And I think um, that's shaped by input from their very astute alumni, you know. How do you think that Slow Partners, and I love, by the way, the branding of Slow Partners is indicative of what your whole idea is around this this partnership approach. What are they doing? What have they done differently that has making this successful from the educator's point of view? Well, I think it's bringing all these different groups together so that they can have that conversation. Because you can't force change upon anyone. You, you can manage the change and encourage the change. And from the county office's uh, point of view, somebody needs to pilot what this could look like. Somebody needs to show that there is a successful path forward, that when you, that apprenticeship can work. And so it takes getting successful businesses on board as well as successful candidates hired to show that there is success right there. So unless you've got those small wins to be able to show to the group that it's not just an abstract idea and a theory of action, that this is actually, this can work. You can't get people um, past the early adopter stage. Right, exactly. We we talk about that uh, often in tech companies, right? There's our early adopters and early majority and majority, late majority. And that early majority needs to be able to see that someone else has blazed the trail already, right? So now going into the third year, you're already blazing that trail so you can reach out to... What's that that expression? Pioneers get shot, settlers get, get paid? 
<laughs> oh, is that? <laughs> Feels I like that, that with every new cell phone I buy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the other thing I think that's that's key when we're thinking about this kind of concept of just-in-time learning or, or project-based learning, you know, there's been a democratization of information. And, and you know, I, I, I laugh anytime, you know, my relatives or anybody calls me to ask a computer question because usually I don't know the answer, but I can go and Google it. And, you know, there's a process of learning how to quickly learn that comes from uh, this type of approach to education and learning. And things are changing so quickly in the fields that we're talking about that if the whole approach is just to memorize information as opposed to figuring out how to critically think and um, learn through the process of solving a problem, uh, you're not going to have a long-term development and career path through this process. I agree. And what we're developing is lifelong learners. But our method is so disruptive to the market, right? Think about that. Wow. Well, that was the word that came to mind. And if we look back to the the um, slope of disruption, the the pace of disruption, and all of the various industries that are being disrupted, it sounds like this this uh, the partnership between education and business. Which, Amy, I think you've said it's like we go to a meeting once a year and then we go back to our day jobs. That this is an example of that partnership really working out over the long haul. So there's a lot of touch points. And that, in fact, might be one of the, the KPIs, if you will, of, of this type of program. Because the person who's listening to this is figuring out, gosh, how am I going to do this in my community? I don't, I don't have progressive thinkers. I don't have what, – what's the, what's the pitch? Where do you start, Michael, if you're a program administrator in the Midwest trying to – thinking this is the great idea? You've got to have champions, you know, people willing to take that risk and show leadership. Uh, in our case, we had business leaders like Amy and Luke. And we also had elected representatives like uh, our assemblyman, Jordan Cunningham, or Dr. Brescia, superintendent-elect. All these people recognize that if we do nothing – things will get worse or we can try something and things might get better. So it's, it's being willing to take that risk and bring people to the table and have those honest conversations, even if they're uncomfortable conversations, but to have those conversations in public and open to trying new things. I would really emphasize using your convening power, like Michael's saying, and I would add look at what industry needs and look to the industry trade associations because a lot of those Organizations for if you're doing this in, in IT, look to CompTIA. If you're looking at manufacturing, look to the American Manufacturing Association. Those folks, we are out there promulgating standards and recognize credentials and recognize certifications that can fit into this pathway and be vendor neutral point of coming together because we're going to have various stakeholders we can be that may be competitors in the local market, but they can agree on one thing, and that might be the certification for their industry that you're training to. I'm going to go back to disruption, and it, and it just upsets the apple cart all the way around, and and especially in these established, like, low-risk uh, environments, you're coming in and saying, hey, let's, we need to take a risk. We need to change. Look around you. It's, you know, it's 2020. It's time to make a difference. The future of work is a difficult concept for educators to grasp onto. You're trying to educate, you know, whether it's 
kindergarten through eighth grade, high school, community college, or in college, a four-year degree, the landscape may change very drastically within when you declare your major as a freshman and when you graduate as a senior. It may be a very different type of um, type of a work that you're going into. So being able to be adaptable and learn how to learn, you know, content isn't king anymore. It's context. You really need to understand the context for how you learn and how you apply whatever learning it is that you already have or need to learn to solving these problems that businesses value in the workplace. And looking at it from industry's perspective on the educator, one of the things that's so frustrating to us in industry is the pace of change in education, right? To get something through a credit, becoming a credit class is, you know, semesters, right? Well, that version of software is long gone. There's two more since. So we need to look at ways to make your educational outlook nimble. You know, I've seen some colleges do it for non-credit or organizations do it for non-credit or um, have a slot that can be flexible while they're piloting this because you can't be you can't be slow like the normal academic process. And that's all for good reasons, but it's absolutely in conflict with industry. Part of being nimble and quick. So Luke, final thoughts um, here is someone who is listening to the show and they're thinking about how do I start that outreach to educators? How do I build the partnerships? What's the, a great way for them to, to contact the organization and learn more about it? They can reach out to, to us through our website, hellocareers.org or slowpartners.org, slopartners.org. And my, my, I think, advice would be as far as how to get started, demonstrate demand. Really do what you can to solicit feedback from the employer community and be able to demonstrate exactly what they want to the education community and show where it's incongruous and show the solution to make it congruent. Well, I love it. Uh, Michael, Luke, Amy, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Thank you. Always a pleasure. Thank you for listening. How will you bring this system to your community and say hello to new careers and goodbye to low-wage jobs? For more episodes, visit hellocareers.org or send us a note to podcast at hellocareers.org. We'd love to hear from you with questions or success stories of how apprenticeship is working in your region. Till next time, I'm Mark Sylvester with Hello Careers.